Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Open Mic Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, Mark. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. This podcast is here for people on the open mic comedy circuit, whether you're a comedian, an MC, a promoter, a tutor, in fact, anybody who has any involvement in this industry, even comedy fans who really do enjoy spending their time in pub basements watching the possible stars of the future. Even better, if you want to join in on this open mic comedy circuit, you get to hear firsthand from those that are inside it and what it's like. So this is the podcast for you. Today's guest is someone I've shared a stage with a few times. She's a four-star review from Funny Women for her Edinburgh show, Live Your Best Life. She has made TV appearances on Comedy Central and BBC, and she shares not a single resemblance to a Moroccan prince. But when you hear the voice, it may seem familiar to some. By night, a comedian. By day, an accomplished voiceover artist. Please welcome to the stage, Emmy Files. Blimey, you've done your research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always remember a few things from people's set. So when you go and listen to some of these podcasts, there'll always be a little Easter egg to somebody's set in there. Oh, I love it. Um, I'm really glad you picked the nice Funny Women review because I accidentally, I was applying for uh, Edinburgh yesterday. Okay. And I accidentally came across a review of myself that I've never seen before, which, <laughs> which was a three-star review that described me as an enjoyable clown. Oh, interesting. Uh, enjoyable um, clown. Yeah, but also the the website was called clownster.com. Oh. <laughs> which to me sounds like it might be more of a, like a fetish website for people who like clowns. Yeah, it's, rather it's that, than a comedy it's that person that's got all the masks behind them, isn't it? Oh yeah, Hundy P. Yeah, they like the that. little <laughs> like that really <laughs> that really gets them going, you know. <laughs> I tell you, just give me a really good idea for a soundboard icon. <laughs> <laughs> so let's 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 start from the beginning then. Um, so, voiceover artist first or a comedian first? To meet well, actor first, actor actually. First. Yeah, that was what I suppose kicked it all off, really. Um, but yeah, I've done comedy longer than I've done voiceovers, for okay. sure. So, how long have you been into the in in the comedy scene then? So, do you know what is weird? Is I have always been obsessed with comedy, yet yep. never ever realised that I wanted to do it. Yes. Like, as a kid, I um, had, you know, French and Sordners and Victoria Wood on VHS, and I yep. knew them, like, word for word. Yep. I was obsessed. I used to watch them over and over. And yet, all my life, I was like, I want to be an actor. But I wanted to be a very serious actor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I took myself incredibly seriously when I was younger and basically all I wanted was to be in a period drama okay That's... Downton Abbey style oh I mean this is if you um I don't know if you're familiar with um the Jane Jane Austen um Pride and Prejudice the 1995 version not specifically that one though oh well <laughs> Mark you've got to get it on it <laughs> It's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's fabulous. Stars Jennifer Ely and Colin Firth. Okay. So you may have seen some pop culture references to Colin Firth being in a wet shirt coming out of a lake. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what it's from. Okay. Um, and I think that was a very big influence in my life. I really yeah. want it to be in a Jane Austen <laughs> drama. Also, those dresses make your boobs look amazing. <laughs> I was going to make a comment about that, but I thought I better not. Well, I'm allowed. <laughs> I'm allowed to say it. You're not. Corsets everywhere. Corsets yeah. everywhere. Well, no, that's where you're wrong, actually. Oh. Because the, this was not an era of, like, difficult corsetry. These dresses are apparently quite comfortable to wear. Okay. But they're, em right, just to, you know, just, I know you're a man and you know about, like, dresses and stuff, but the Empire Line dresses, so they're, like, the line is un right underneath your boobs, so it hikes you right up. Right. Um, but without the uncomfort double corsetry. So, you know, win-win. Okay. 
Uh-huh. Fair enough. You didn't think we were going to talk about that today, did you? No, that wasn't on the plan. No? <laughs> but, okay, hey, well, that, I like that's... to bring something extra. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's it's fine i love it i love it these these deviations are this is what makes this this a natural chat and an enjoyable chat something that we're not expecting what a lovely uh, way to say oh god this is going to be a long podcast <laughs> <laughs> no that's good you actually used to have a podcast didn't you i did i did used to have a podcast yes, yes. um now i just go on other people's <laughs> um yeah, so um, I mean, I don't know if my mum's going to listen to this podcast because she doesn't know that I had a podcast about oh, porn. Okay. <laughs> so basically, to to give some context, the original idea for um, the podcast that I used to do, which was called Porn This Way, um, was was meant to be um, because I don't watch porn mm-hmm. um it was meant to be a sort of educating emmy vibe oh, okay and it was the our initial jumping off point was going to be my world sort of introducing me to <laughs> the world of porn <laughs> i mean you know there's, there's worse ideas um yeah. but somehow in the making of it that got lost and what it essentially was, was myself and one of my best friends, uh, Lolly Jones, just reviewing porn. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've seen is, some things. I was going to say, there's a question that it's just, what was the best thing you watched? No, I'm not sure. Yeah, oh, go on. Well, no, go on. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. So uh, we... We did build up a bit of a following. So we used to then get listener suggestions, which was amazing. <laughs> so you had to Google these things. Yeah, yeah. Incognito mode. Incognito mode, mode yeah. Yeah, I'd never used that before. <laughs> um, but basically, our favourite one, there's a company, a British gay porn company. And I want to say it's called something like Lads with a Z. It's something like quite Yeah. And all the videos are so bleak. (laughs) Our favourite one, just to give you a bit of context, the favourite one was set in the job centre. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they're all in um, like full grey trackies. And so there's like a job centre leader being like, come on, lads, you need to like do some job applications uh and then they all just start banging <laughs> it was so weird it was the most british thing you've ever seen oh it dear. was hilarious yeah uh, okay on that smooth transition then voiceover artist so so we've got yes. actually a scope so you started as an actor first with the desire to um be in pride and prejudice yes so i went to drama school um yes and uh again it didn't occur to me that like the the comedic roles were I mean probably I was more comfortable if I was in a comedic role mm-hmm. but I think I felt that that wasn't as important uh, which, okay yeah which now of course I think comedy is the most important of course of, of course. course of course it is um but I think if it I don't know. I, I felt like if it wasn't in a serious, like deeply emotional part, that there wasn't as much value to that. Okay, yeah. So it's just somebody being silly rather than trying to put on that yeah. serious posture. And Little did uh, I realise at the time that comedy acting is way harder to be good yeah. at, actually. Than, I can uh, imagine. Yeah. Anyone can turn on the tears, but, you know, can you make people laugh? Well, she tells that- herself. <laughs> <laughs> So how long how long have you actually been doing comedy for then as a, as a stand up? So I've I'm I'm a bit of a weirdo. I've sort of done it intermittently. So I did I did a comedy a stand up comedy course years ago, yep. um, with the intention of well actually to be honest with the intention of just giving myself something to do because the acting work wasn't coming in. Um, so I, yeah, I did this course. Uh, I was living in Manchester at the time, 
And, you know, I thought I'll start gigging. But then the the person who ran the course asked me to join a, a sketch group that she was setting up. Mm-hmm. Um, so very quickly, my plans of doing stand-up kind of went by the wayside because I was rehearsing with the, this group we were called Kooky Babushka. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I was rehearsing with them sort of three nights a week. So, um, yeah, stand-up went to one side for a very, very long time. Um, so I was working with those guys for a few years. You know, we did a couple of runs at Edinburgh. Cool. Um, yeah, I had some very fun and interesting times. It's great. I, I bet as a as a group of people together that are especially I guess in the in the um the fire pit as such of Edinburgh being around each other most of the day. Do you know what? And I... it's... <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean I all I'll say is, after our second Edinburgh, we never gigged together again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had a good second album, but that was it. That was enough. Yeah. I mean, it was a shame because we were getting interest from all the right people. Like, we were due to go and meet with, like, Avalon and we were being mentored by Baby Car. And we were getting, like, you know, we were doing really well. Yeah. But um, I think... Mm, this you know the person isn't going to listen to this interview i'm sure it's fine um <laughs> there was a there was a, a one against three situation shall we okay. say yeah yeah which culminated in her we even though we were living together what she would do is put her headphones on listen to bon jovi and hoover just okay. to avoid speaking to us okay wonderful yeah yeah fine. it was a vibe it was a vibe <laughs> <laughs> Probably not quite as dramatic as Robbie leaving Take That, but um, similar I mean, vibes. I mean, what is as dramatic as Robbie leaving Take That? Come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there was probably a hotline for people to ring if they were sad about Kooky Babushka splitting up, you know. <sighs> it was a real loss to the comedy there was, a My, there was a MySpace page, no doubt, or something like that back in the day. Oh, God. I mean, I think we were post-MySpace. Okay. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think. God, oh no, I'm going to have to go back and delete a few things if uh, <laughs> if that did still exist. But so yeah. after that was the, the stand-up, as in the Emmy Files stand-up that we uh, we see kind of-ish today. So I, so Kooky split up and I think I decided I was going to see what it was like to be a person who just did their day job and was just normal and didn't do anything (laughs) creative. And I was miserable and I hated it. And it's a blessing and a curse that if I'm not doing something creative, I absolutely just fall apart. Um, So I hadn't done anything for ages bar the odd stand-up five minutes here and there. And I thought, I know what I'll do, having not gigged solidly for several years. <laughs> I'll write an hour-long Edinburgh show. What? <laughs> Look, brave or stupid, you decide. Ambitious? Um, ambitious, yeah. So I wrote uh, a show called Live Your Best Life, um, which kind of, basically, it it came out of having depression, because mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything. And it was sort of a reflection on, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. Comparing yourself to people that you see online, these images of perfection and, you know, how that affects um, one's mental health. Yep. Doesn't sound funny. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. It was dead funny. Um, so I, uh, I, took that show up to Edinburgh with no real expectations and um it did really well cool (laughs) yeah um so as a result of that um so it you know it got like guardian best shows at the fringe no big deal and um I uh like was invited to meet with you know BBC New Comedy and um that was really amazing and also um I met with uh Tiger Aspect uh, yep. with one of their producers so we then developed the show into a sitcom pilot okay 
uh, which has just gone out to channel. So let's see. <laughs> oh, okay. so that's that's still on the radar at the moment. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's very unlikely to get a first script made, isn't it? But you know, it's still like amazing to go from sitting in my bedroom, having not done anything for so long to then like have all this stuff come out of it. I mean, it just, you know, it is a lesson in like taking risks, I guess, Yeah. Um, that they, they do pay off. But I also know that's a very anomalous way of doing Edinburgh. I know people seem to think there's like a set format where you have to go up and, you know, you do other people's gigs and then you do a shared bill and then you do a coward hour. I'm like, ah, no, just do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I do agree. It's, it's whatever you feel comfortable with and whatever you want to achieve um if you feel more comfortable with a split bill do a split bill if you want to just go hell for leather and do whatever do whatever or but- if you're just naive and you don't know that that's what you're meant to do <laughs> <laughs> what is really interesting now is i've spoken to seven or eight people and i've shared stages with pretty much everybody i've spoken to so far and everybody has a story that nobody's told yet. And these oh, really? are the first times these these things that I'm hearing coming out about people. I never knew you you've you've progressed that far. And stuff like it's it's quite amazing when you see somebody's five, ten minutes on stage and then you start delving deeper into that person and what they've actually done. It's Yeah, hugely but impressive. You, but I mean it isn't though, because you sort of this is like hinting on a big point is that if you don't then because I do dip in and out of stuff like I don't and also COVID hit as well so you know there was nothing going on so I don't think that I necessarily sustained that momentum and so this year for me well not this year it's 2024 now isn't it yeah yeah last year for me (laughs) (laughs) um I was like right I'm gonna get back into it now I'm gonna throw myself into doing stand-up again because um it had been such a big hiatus and once again it was getting me down that I wasn't doing anything um yeah. I mean you know voiceovers yeah that's a creative outlet to a point but it's not really mm. Because it's, I mean, I absolutely love doing it. If any agents or any 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 employees are listening, <laughs> it's my favourite thing to do. Links um, at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll share my showreel. Um, no, I absolutely love it. But, you know, you're completely restrained by the script, by the direction. You know, it's not your own work. You can put a cheeky spin on it sometimes, but it's, you know, it's not your words. And that's the thing is um, that comedy offers that acting voiceovers do not, is yep. that... It's your voice. Yeah. No, it's 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 your voice, it's your words, it's your expression. Mm-hmm. And how you want to portray things rather than being directed in a particular way. I think it's one thing I've spoken to a few people about recently is that it's as a as a as an certainly as an open mic comedian, you are your own writer, producer, actor, director, marketing. You are you yeah. are your own everything, so it's it's an awful lot for for something that only is generally at this certainly for me at this stage it's five minutes it's a lot of work. God, why start... do we do it, Mark? <sighs> why do we bother? Jokes. It's it's an interesting one actually because um, somebody um, who I've spoken to as well, I. They're, they're the sort of person that's dipped in and out over the years and have, have had a long career in comedy, but they've been in and out. And the question I kind of sort of proposed was, so why, why, why so many breaks and stuff? And she came back and said, it's not so much the breaks. It's when I'm not doing it, I can't not do it. Well, that was, as you were saying that, those are the exact words in my head. I can't not do it. Yeah. It's it's weird. It, you try to explain it to family members and stuff like that. That you know, why why are you why do you want to gig so often? Why do you want to do all of this? And you kind of go, I can't explain it. I know there are some people out there that have the ability to gig five times a week and more kudos to you. But then you get the people like a bit like myself that can only do once or twice a week, and you start wondering. Am I doing enough to improve? Mm. But if I start doing less, I all I'm going to do is start thinking about 
what I'm going to do the next time I'm on that stage. Yeah. And there's always, I think, that thing in your head, or so I certainly have it, is if I spread things out too much, that if I do a bad gig, I know I've got a week to go before I can try and rectify that in my head. Oh, that is a horrible feeling. You really get in your own head when that happens. Yeah. It's 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 that whole thing is why why did they why did they not find that funny what 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 did i do wrong what did they do wrong as in but the also, audience and stuff like that and you can do a joke you've done 20 times before yeah. and then all of a sudden someone will just take against you and they don't laugh and you think what yes the thing is i i don't know you you have to have um you have to back yourself don't you so in that situation i normally just tell myself no i'm funny and that's not helpful always because probably I should, <laughs> I should analyze it a bit more and think, why didn't they laugh? But I think you've got to learn to separate when a joke is bad yeah, and when either you're just not giving off the right vibe or the audience just doesn't want you, you know, mm-hmm. it'll happen. Um, you know, sometimes, I don't know, maybe people hate Northerners and given that I've made that in my entire personality on stage. <laughs> <laughs> That can be tricky, you know? Yeah. I can can um, see that. I sort of, I've done a couple of gigs recently because I, you know, have a joke about the Tories and it's not really occurred to me until I've got there that I'm gigging in a Tory stronghold. Yeah. However, it is fascinating to me that uh, I won't, it's a a bit rude, so I won't say on the podcast what it is, but the, the, the joke asks people to guess which party an MP is from who has committed a, a fairly heinous act. Yep. And it's weird that despite voting Tory, these people still recognise that, yes, that is a Tory MP that's done that. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, I'd like to think they'd go away and question why they'd still insist on voting for someone who did that into someone's <clears throat> handbag. But... Um... <laughs> it's Politics is a very strange... I guess we're deviating, but this is something that's always amazed me is that um, no matter which way you kind of vote, I think I think there's still a massive influence to what your parents would have voted. Mm-hmm. So if your parents were always conservative voters, then you've probably become a conservative voter. But I think now that the gap is starting, that that trend is starting to shift slightly with more and more people being more involved in politics and seeing what goes on. Um, but there's still bits of it that completely and utterly baffle me is that we had a where i live we have a, a tory mp and mm. in the in, in the 2019 election <laughs> you know when they have like the hustings mm. he refused to turn up because he refused to turn up and oh. sit on the stage with a labor member who was supporting jeremy corbyn oh where your thoughts about jeremy corbyn or whatever that's by the by but if I don't, that to me, that hustings is somebody's interview. If yeah. I don't turn up to my interview, I do not get given an £85,000 a year job. Exactly. Just do your job. But he got, he got voted in. Well. The, <clears throat> You're just like, what? They're, they're a law unto themselves, aren't they? And, you know, it's a whole old boys network, blah, blah, blah. We all know this. But, um yeah. Nothing shocks me having worked for Parliament, to be honest. Oh, you've done that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know there are <laughs> other comedians on the circuit who also um, have worked for Parliament. I don't know if you've yes. interviewed any of them yet. I have interviewed one. We okay. Didn't discuss, we didn't discuss anything about Parliament. but, right, um, but I, won't, I won't name him just in case he doesn't want to uh, make that public. But he, but, um, he, did, he told me after that he um, is uh, he's not afraid of... He, he's 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 allowed to talk about it. I mean, but, he talks about it on stage, so I'm not sure if we're talking about the same person. But uh, we'll oh. compare notes at the end. All right, okay. Because <laughs> oh, there's probably loads. There, there probably is because this guy actually works for basically the complaints part of Parliament. Oh, we are talking about someone different because the person I'm talking about doesn't work for Parliament anymore. Oh no, this one does, still does work for Parliament. Oh, I wonder if I know yeah. them. Interesting. Um, they're on an episode very soon. <laughs> okay, yeah. I will listen very closely. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, he doesn't mention Parliament in that show, but um, yeah, he, I'll still he listen does. anyway. He's worth listening to. Okay, so we we kind of touched on the whole um, 
jokes working i am really funny please please laugh at me kind of thing so mm -hmm. let's go through this the two standard questions um let's start with the best moment you've had on the stage oh yeah i find that uh really hard to answer because i get quite embarrassed trying to like big myself up um but i do you know what i i i guess uh maybe like my last showing in edinburgh when i was doing live your best life and yeah. that it had look it was at the time where shows having a message was very much a vibe mm -hmm. So, you know, slightly, slightly emotional end. Um, and having done, you know, a run of the show and it all having gone so well. And, you know, the, I was very fortunate because of the way it had been reviewed and the Guardian stuff and all that, that like my last show, I had like cues literally down the street, which is something Excellent. that I will probably never replicate again in my life. Um, but it was such a buzz. Um, and yeah, that final show went really well. And the emotion of it being the last one and it, you know, being like just so proud of it. And the audience was so incredibly responsive and like just yep. ending on a really good one. Um, like, yeah, it was, yeah, just a really emotional experience. And I know really when you ask that question, I probably should be talking about when I've told a dead good joke on stage. No, no. But um, I think, I think to go from being so unhappy yeah. and to be doing so little um, creatively and just feeling so incredibly lost to sort of turning all that pain into something funny and something that people related to and something that meant something to people was yeah. just like a huge, huge moment for me. And um, it was really, really special. No, I, there's, there is absolutely nothing wrong with like you say, bigging yourself up or whatever. If that that's the moment and that's how you felt, that's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. <laughs> so now on the downturn. That's oh, the well, worst moment. <laughs> oh, I mean, well I mean I could go on all day. Um so uh when I was I think more ridiculous things have happened doing sketches than they okay. have um doing stand-up because there's just more room for ridiculousness so when I was in the sketch group um we were booked to play a private members club in Manchester now just to set the scene <laughs> <laughs> so nobody in this members club wanted to watch an all-female comedy sketch group that was not what they were there for yeah do you know what they were there for uh, no. A man auction. A what? A man auction. That is what it sounds like. Yep. Okay. Yep, they brought one man after another out onto the stage, would give a little bit of a bio, and then these women would bid for a date with them. Okay. Yeah. Now, it had gotten a bit weird because they were bringing these guys out and, like, Obviously, if it's an auction, you want to get as much money as you can for the person, don't you? Yeah. But they brought this one guy out and they're like, hi, everyone. This is Josh. He's 25. Josh was born with his legs on the wrong way. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> or his kneecaps on the back? What happened? Like, I want to know more about that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that was the setting uh, for this uh, comedy show that we were, that we had to perform. Anyway, so in this sketch group, uh, well, it's going to sound bad. Uh, I used to play a character called Jizz Girl. <laughs> okay. So... God, oh, what is life? Um, so I was dressed in like a like a Wonder Woman, Supergirl type costume with a cape and everything. Yeah. Um, except it had a, a J on the front for jizz. And of course. oh, God. what else? Ah. Um, and halfway through the sketch, 
um, we we had a prop which was a, a ring binder that said the word comedy for beginners on the front of it, mm-hmm. which I slipped on and fell on my ass. Not deliberately. And not deliberately. And the people at this private members club who've been bidding on this man auction didn't even bat an eyelid. Oh. That is how disinterested they were. I mean, I basically broke my coccyx or whatever in a jizz girl costume. And uh, yeah, no one, no one cared. No one cared. Um, no one said you could be the perfect companion for Josh. No, I didn't Come even on. get a date out of it. Can you believe that? <laughs> Can imagine that you hobbling along or trying to, but him walking backwards all the way. Although, as, <laughs> as, as, um, as we were leaving the venue... Um, <laughs> Sorry, John, we, I just can't get his image of this bloke with his legs on backwards. Right? Exactly. So as we were leaving, we spotted this guy and we're like, oh, sorry, excuse me, excuse me. It's like, um, sorry, girls, like, I've, I've, I'm done with the man auction now. We're like, no, sorry, just wanted to tell you, you've got your jacket on inside out. <laughs> Poor Josh, man. It's not his night. It's not his it night. It really wasn't his night. I think they only got about like £13 for him as well. Oh. I God. know, as if the man's not been through enough. <laughs> um, okay. Um, have you done any gongs and com- or competitions? I did my first gong show a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. How did that go? Yeah, beat it. Well done. Thank you. Blackout? Uh, uh, it was the one where they waved dildos around. Oh, ding dong gong show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've got a spot at their proper night in a few weeks. So that's excellent stuff. That's good. Um, oh, the vicious though, aren't they? <sighs> have you, so tell me, Mark, have you done many gong shows? Because I want to hear about other people's experiences of them. Um, I've done two. Yeah, I did one, which was my seventh ever gig. You madman! I know. Um, and it went really well. I I didn't beat the blackout, but I got to like four and a half minutes. I know oh I never, God, I never, that's I never thought I'd get that far. It even got to the point. This is how diversive I found gong shows. In my first one, I actually forgot part of my set, and I had uh, the audience clapping, cheering me on Aww. to get there. Um, and they didn't know how many gigs I'd done. So that was really friendly, and I got to four and a half minutes. And I got to, the annoying thing was I got to my I was about to say um, Toy Story, and if you know my set, you know my set. Um, yeah, but I didn't get to say that. Those were my next two words, and that was the moment I ended up getting kicked off. Still, though, you so did I, really I, well. Yeah, I, I was talking to Jim Jim Hooker about this, and we call that a gentleman's win. Nice, That's... yes, yes. Jim is a very good friend of mine. <laughs> Yes, and then I, I did a, a gong show. Though, jokes. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, Jim. If you listen, sorry. <laughs> I'm sure we all listen. Um, <gasps> I um, but I did a gong show a couple of, uh, last week, and it was awful. Go on, tell me the goss. Tell me the goss. Um, I felt like I, I started well. Um, this was this is actually something about sets, and you mentioned this about the Tories thing was that there is a toy joke in the, at the start of my set. Mm. And I took it out deliberately because one of the person, one of the people holding the card was like a 55-year-old uh, well-dressed gentleman, shall we call it. Uh-oh. And I thought, that joke's probably not going to work that well. It's not mm. going to do me any favours. So I thought I would do, I, I would change it up a bit. And I changed it up a bit. And... uh it felt like things were going kind of well. I was having like audience interaction. So I'd say something and go and, you know, give a clap for this and, and people would do it. And I was, I was in the groove and things were flowing and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is good. And I don't know if you know, but the blackout, you get two minute grace period. And then after that two minutes, you can go. And right. I, got, I got to the point where people were laughing and the, the light went and then straight away, the three cards went up. No. Uh, this is the point that I had probably the front three quarters of the room laughing hard. 
and I was getting into the story. And the three cards went up. I don't know if they just went too early or whatever, but I there's I've got the video, and there's me like at the end going, "What? <laughs> that you're like what? It's like what's I, wrong I, with them? The miserable gits. I expect to go off if um." It's one of those where it's silence and you can tell nobody's enjoying it. But the moment that people were laughing and then these three people got to gong, gong us off, was it, oh. it felt it felt horrible and it demoralised me for probably about a week. It, oh, it was terrible. God, I'm so sorry. That's horrible. <laughs> no, it, it's what happens. But the other thing was, was that when we looked at the night as like a retrospect, the night is there was 10 comedians in the first half, 10 in the second. I was in the first half and I was fourth on and the first three, none of them got through. So I thought, I've got a chance here. Mm. And then when I'm thinking, it's going well, and I felt comfortable on stage, confidence was there. I'm I'm in the flow and, and then go. One person got through in the first half. One. Oh, oh, and no. only two in the second half. Oh, I'm doing Beat the Blackout next week. I'm dreading it now. <laughs> don't, don't, honestly, you, there's certain, the, the kind of, I gave somebody some advice before about who was doing their first one, especially with the blackout is have your, don't have your best joke as your first joke. Yeah. Have, have a funny joke, but have you have a really good laughing joke at about one minute, 50, one minute, 55. Mm. And that was my plan for this one. And I, my, the line that I had was as I've got older, my relationship with something has changed. And that relationship is with piss. And the whole, <laughs> whole front were, that was that was I hit that word dead on at the point I wanted to hit it. Yeah. And I got the laughter and then it was like you're gone. It's like, oh thanks. Oh, but it's... there there seemed to be the point where there were the three people in the audience, there was like one if you're on stage, one to the left, one to the right, and one in front of you who had the cards. And the one to the left just put their card up for the sake of it, which then seemed to instigate the guy on the right to put his card up. Then put pressure right. on the guy in the middle to put his card up because you don't go until all three are done. No. And that I don't know how if that guy felt pressure to do it or what or which order it went in, so I don't know. But oh, it, God, it was that sounds awful. But like I say, the first time I did it, it was great. It just depends who you get on the night and the um the actual MC swapped the cards around at half time. Yeah, he, they did it the set... one I did as well. He, he actually came came to a few of us at uh, like the interval and just said, that's a record for this. One in 10 is, is a record. Wow. That's ridiculous. Wow, and, I mean, there was, there was some people on there that were like getting to four minutes, 40, 50 seconds. You could tell. And they, no, they, that's so cruel. Um, I think it was, um, yeah, you, you, I think your, your set is fine. If you if you're doing the kind of similar stuff that I've seen before, I think I think you're fine. I think it's got enough in it, enough humour in it that relates to other to everybody. Yeah, well, I mean that's and, very much a deliberate. Do you know what I mean? Though, the because the thing is, if you've got like a story, it's always harder to do a gong show because you need people to want to be interested and want to hear it. Well, that's it. And if you're talking about a topic that doesn't immediately grab them, and then you've got, you know. Yeah, four and a half more minutes of it, then you're not gonna you're not gonna keep them engaged, are you? No, and that that's that was the one of the hardest things. But one of the funniest things was when I came off stage, I went and saw a friend of mine. I just went to the bar and I just looked at him. and went, I oh, what? And he was like, oh, I don't, I don't, know. I honestly have no idea. And one guy came out from from the audience and came up to me and said, "I want to know the next sentence." He said, yeah. I can't believe they got really... I want to know what your relationship with piss is about. It was that... <laughs> I mean, that's a sentence you only hear on the no. circuit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it, it was that whole thing. It's like, and he came up like two or three times throughout the night going, I need to know. I said, follow me on Instagram and you may find out. Brilliant. Yeah, that's a way to get uh, bringers for gigs, isn't it? Yeah. The guy who's desperate to know about your piss story. <laughs> but yeah, just... just just going if you've done ding dong i think i don't even think ding dong you get a grace period do you i think you're you can no, go you out. do you get oh, do you? a minute maybe okay you do get some i mean the a piece of advice that somebody gave me which i think is uh really helpful is if you're going to do a gong show yeah. um so a piece of advice that someone gave me was if you're going to do a gong show 
make sure you have got another gig booked within the next day or two because you might need to like bolster your confidence again. Yeah. And I think that's really good advice because what you were saying before, you know, about if you leave a week between gigs and you don't have a good one, well, it's that times a thousand when it's a gong show. Yep. Because at least if you do a bad five minutes, people still have to sit and listen to it yep. normally. Um, so yeah, I think any anyone who's listening who wants to, who's got some kind of masochistic tendencies and wants to <laughs> do a gong show, that's the advice that I would give. Um, yeah. and if you do happen to do well, you go into that next gig feeling absolutely on top of the world. Yes. Yeah. And I, I also think you don't have to, you don't have to beat it to feel like it's a good gig either. Nope. Not at all. You can still walk out of there with your head held high and yeah, it's not just about beating it, but you know, it's nice to. On the, on the blackout one, do they give you feedback afterwards? No, no. Oh. You're, you're off straight away. Oh, you're off okay. to stew in your own self pity. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, we yeah you get feedback at uh, Ding Dong, which you know, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, the one I thing choose to ignore it. <laughs> the one thing I will say about the blackout is the food they do there is absolutely superb. So get there early. There's food. Yeah, they do like a um, uh, wraps. So if you're into like um, it's almost like a kebab. But it's it's a kebab in like a in a flatbread. Oh my god! No one told me about this. But they put they put the salad in it, but they put the chips in it with within it as well. Like a gyros. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I couldn't oh think my what the name was. God. It's, they are the best. They are amazing. I mean, I'm meant to be doing keto at the moment. But... <laughs> I would give that up for a free gyros, to be honest. Oh, no, you've got to pay for that. Unfortunately, it's not free. Oh, well, yeah, I'll stick I to keto then. I thought you meant they, like, they fed you. Because, you know, no. sometimes, like, if you gig at, like, I've been lucky enough to, like, gig at the comedy store and stuff, and they feed you pizza, and that is very nice. Yeah, okay. Cool. How did you find a comedy store? Um, I was doing it. It wasn't doing it as a stand-up. I was doing it with the um, sketch show, and somehow we... Uh, Oh, we were cheeking. We blagged our way onto the bill with Jason Manford and John Thompson, and like, <laughs> I think you've just got to be cheeky, haven't you? So mm. we were, we were. It was like, um, you know, established comedy, established comedian, new material night that we'd got yep. ourselves on, um, and yeah, I mean, we did well, and it was lovely to meet those people. Um. Yeah, nice having a little chat with them in the green room. Yeah. Not John Thompson; he was a moody bastard. But like the others were nice. <laughs> cool. That's it's cool. Yeah. Experiences like that, I think, are the sort of thing that stick with you for a while as well. And you just, yeah, it's said it yeah. before that if you get a, somebody who's who you look up to or you see as on a higher rung on the ladder than you, who gives their time to have a chat. I think it it, yeah. does, it helps. I'll tell you who's really good. So we, we there's a couple of uh, people we supported at um, Comedy Nights in Manchester, which was Zoe Lyons and Izzy Sutty. And can I say both of them were absolutely gorgeous, wonderful women and were exactly as they come across yep. uh, when you see them on TV, just generous, kind, lovely, funny people. So I can't speak highly enough of them both. Cool. Um so going back to kind of the open mic stuff now, on so you've been around the open mic circuit for a little while. What's the one thing that you'd like to see change? More women. Yeah. And I don't just mean uh, more women gigging. I mean more women running nights. Yes. Um, because the circuit is... I mean, what would you say? Is it about seventy percent male? Do you reckon? Um, yeah, I would. I would guess it's probably something in that region. Yeah, I think that um, as a woman, I've definitely dealt with certain situations with um, male MCs, which I'd mm-hmm. rather not have to deal with. Yeah, I understand. Um, I think, um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of 
sort of debating <laughs> how much to say about those things, but um, I'll try and keep it. I'll try and keep it vague. <laughs> um, obviously, as a, the thing is, as a woman who talks openly about being single on stage, yeah, I think that has made me uh, a slight victim dim to the advances of some men okay, on the yeah. circuit sometimes which yeah. um just because i'm single does not mean that i want to be approached when i'm essentially at work which yep. is is what i am i think i think the problem can be as a woman that um people get lulled into a a false sense of security because you're it's at night there's alcohol involved you know yep. there's a sort of convivial atmosphere but as far as i'm concerned i'm at work and uh, I don't want um, to be uh, felt up. Uh, I don't want to be asked out. (laughs) Unless it's someone, like, really hot, obviously. He's got his legs on the right way around. (laughs) Unless it's Josh, then. (laughs) (laughs) Then, yeah, I'm not bothered. But, no, seriously, um, I think, yeah, I think having more women, more women in charge would be a really great thing like i um i don't know if you've ever done there's a gig called bonkers in br1 which is a gig in bromley which is run by jenny and i her surname escapes me jenny ford maybe um she's an absolute mega babe and the difference in being treated well when you arrive at a gig so you know she she talks you through everything she shows you the mic stand she tells you where to get a drink she lays out a little tiny green room for the acts so you've got tea and crisps and biscuits and like it might not be a huge thing but it makes a world of difference in how you feel and i have to say um with the exception of like angel raw i don't think i've had a man take that much care in making sure you're comfortable and you know what you're doing. Like quite often you get to a gig and the MC just sort of ignores you. Um, and you just, you start off on the back foot a little bit, which is not really how you need to feel when you're about to do something that's ultimately quite vulnerable. Um, but on that note, um, myself and some other women are setting up, uh, a very female focused, uh, comedy gig. So, um, we're called Candy Store and uh, we're going to be, um, it's a comedy brunch. Okay. Which is going to be taking place monthly at uh, Dabbers in Hackney, which we are very, very excited about. Cool. So it's going to be sort of championing um, female non-binary acts. We will have men on. We're not haters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we will, you know, we want to be an inclusive gig but also um yeah we just want to elevate and platform women um ideally um so yeah we're really excited about it so yeah second of march it starts and uh yeah we can't wait cool sounds like a a lot of fun and sounds like it's something that's actually needed as well well, yeah, I mean, I think the good thing is that the sort of people that come to a bottomless brunch, and yes, I'm a little bit nervous about the bottomless element of it, <laughs> especially because I'm going to be MC in the first one. So there might be a lot of people to keep under control when they've had too many Proseccos. <laughs> um, but the sort of person that, the crossover between, you know, people that just go to a bottomless brunch yep. and people that go and watch comedy, I don't know if that Venn diagram really meets in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I think what will be nice is... Um, maybe a group of people who haven't been exposed to comedy that much, or I hate to say it, people who think women aren't funny, yeah, um, get to come along, have a really amazing afternoon, and come away maybe thinking, yeah, actually, I will go and watch more comedy, or I will seek out female comedians, and yeah. that's you know the experience that we want to give to people, and if we can make that happen, that will be amazing. Yeah, cool. Good luck and with if, that. And if they don't like it, they'll they'll be absolutely hammered anyway. So <laughs> win-win, we figure. <laughs> so would this be a uh, first time emceeing or? Uh, no, I used to run uh, a night uh, with a friend of mine. We were called Comedy Horn. And um, yeah, it was, it was a non-bringer. <laughs> Which, if anyone listening, I'm sure you've talked on your podcast before about bringers versus non-bringers, and people are familiar with that idea. Have you? Um, actually, this 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 was an interesting thing that was pointed out to me was that um, 
the I haven't really touched on this. We I've, I mentioned what bringers and non-bringers kind of are, but for anyone that is listening that is maybe outside of London, London has a very big bringer scene. I would call it. Yes. In that you're expected as an art, an act to bring somebody along to help make yes. an audience for people to perform in front of. Bringers that, are the bane of a comedian's life. Is yes. that fair to say? Yes, it, they can they can be extremely difficult for people to manage. Um, the other, but then there is the other side of it where if you're a non-bringer, you risk the quite slightly quieter nights. But yep. you tend to find that outside of London, there's more non-bringers. Yeah. Um, and I guess that comes down to London. There's there's gigs every hour of every evening of every night, so there's lots of nights to fill. Yeah. Um, whereas outside of London, maybe there's not so many um, nights that go on throughout the whole week. There may be more once a week or once a month or once a fortnight, whatever. So people will come out to see those things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the gig I referenced before that's in Bromley, I think because it is just that little bit out the way, not that I'm saying Bromley is, you know, yeah. out in the sticks or anything. It isn't. But um, I think, I mean, that, that sells out every single time. Yeah. Because people don't have access to that kind of show. And it's amazing. You know, there's a really good atmosphere. I think there feels like a real gratitude that you've brought that show to an area where maybe that doesn't have. Um, yeah so many shows and it, it really it's a lovely lovely gig to do if you can get on it do it's excellent um it was a really warm atmosphere because they're just really excited yes um to see all these comedians each each what's once a month i think um yeah but yeah you're right it is um although hang on i i'm sure i saw that um a comedian that we both know who has moved to scotland said something about going to a gig and needing a double bringer they needed to bring two audience members i've, I've actually, seen someone say that this week i i've i've not seen i've not heard of that i've heard of that i've heard of people in um in other countries they have a you're expected to bring five people or buy five tickets oh no is that in america like, yeah yeah oh I yeah think that new york horrendous. has that reputation yeah um but yeah, I think the bringer market probably comes more from a, I hate to say it, oversaturation of gigs in London. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. so many I don't want to play to an empty room either. Every single night in lots of different places. Um, yeah. And it, it's, nobody wants to go and perform in front of an empty room. They don't. Uh, the, the, but also, know, some nights manage somehow to fill a room without it being a bringer and those are the ones that we love tits yeah some nights somehow manage to fill a room without it being a bringer but you know um that's just you know the 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 tax we pay for doing something we love isn't it oh 100 yeah it's um it's a it's a bane of our lives as such but it's i understand i understand the reasoning behind it um it's just some some places are better than others i don't know yeah, but I think it's one of those, especially within the London circuit. You you probably will never ever get away with it, get away from it, should I say? No, no, um, no. So we just have to try and climb up the echelons of comedy <laughs> yes. until we get to the point that we don't need to do it. So lovely. Uh, I know. And so, out of um, all the jokes you've told, what's your favourite? How did you come up with it? And how has it changed over time? Oh, God. Um, again, it's back to me feeling uncomfortable about uh, about picking myself up. But, um, I, oh, all right, well, one of the first ever jokes I wrote, uh, I'll go back to that, I guess, because it, it made yeah. me realise I did know how to write a joke is in my first ever set, I was talking, I'm looking at me talking really slowly because I'm trying to remember the joke as I'm speaking. <laughs> I had a joke about how uh, scally parents call their kids uh, names that are like a portmanteau of their own names. Right. 
Um, and the punchline was something about, um, yeah, it's unfortunate because I know a couple that did that, but their names are Sharon and Dwight. <laughs> and that got a big laugh. And I remember thinking, oh, it's a joke, an actual joke, yeah. rather than just me rambling on about <laughs> whatever. And yeah, that was that was the first actually structured setup punchline joke I think I ever wrote. And I just thought, oh, it's good this, isn't it? And I've never written one since. <laughs> so has that actually um changed and evolved at all? Or have you just left it as that and um no, I I don't use it. I'll I'll tell you why, is because um and this is look, I'm not excusing this. Um but you have to blame British culture that um, at the time of writing that joke, the word chav um, was part of the uh, the accepted parlance. And obviously yes. that is not an acceptable <laughs> word to use now. And my whole set was about how I secretly wanted to be a chav. And okay. I realise now that's not okay. Um, although, you know... Am I allowed to say that? Because I'm technically from a working class background. I don't know. Um, do I have ownership of that? I'm not sure. I, anyway, uh, but that is largely I... why I don't use it anymore because it's wildly inappropriate. <laughs> Times change. Often, I've asked what you think you'd like to see change, but what tips would you give people that are kind of fresh into it? Or what I would say, and this is advice that is easy to give and really difficult to take, is just, I guess, try and not take it too personally if at first, you know, the gigs don't go brilliantly. Um, yeah. You know, it might not be you. Uh, so please try and not th- take that on board and think you're a terrible, <laughs> unfunny person just because you have a bad gig because you're not. <laughs> I would also say, and this is a, a really common thing for new comedians, is get to the joke quicker because we don't need two and a half minutes of setup before we get to your punchline. Also write punchlines. People forget that a joke needs a punchline. It seems so obvious, but it really does. Another thing I would say, if you're writing work backwards, know what the punchline is that you want to get to and then do the setup from there. Maybe start that way around. And then it's a lot easier to write a joke. If you know what the payoff is going to be. Yeah, interesting. I like that. That's 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 a very good writer's tip. Very good. Yep, and uh, you can join my comedy. I'd never thought of it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, uh, another piece of advice is uh, specificity uh, is key. So, um, if if you're like I don't know, if you're talking about having a biscuit, biscuit is fine. Garibaldi is funnier. So be more specific with your choice of words. No, I read that in your comedy blog last night, actually, about the Garibaldi part. It's an, it's an interesting thing how certain words and certain letters have certain impacts on things. They do. And, and also in my accent, it'll sound different to your it. accent. I think yeah. that's the other thing is how the words actually sound from you as a person because they sound different from everyone. And there will be words that sound really funny in a Scottish accent or brilliant in a Welsh accent. You know, it. it um, I think you can really use that to your advantage um, yeah. and just sort of play with sounds because just the sound of words um, in, its, in and of itself uh, is can be very funny and can be very, yeah. Yes. No, I completely agree. It's it's an interesting one. So one other one question I like to ask every every guest is mm-hmm. if you were to become super, super famous one day and you end up walking out in front of five thousand people at Hammersmith Apollo to do your, your twenty minute special for live at the Apollo, what would your walk on music be? Oh, uh, I'm a slave for you by Britney Spears. <laughs> okay. And I'd come out with a snake. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not saying it would be a good show. 
But they've paid now. They're there. It's my show. I can do what I want. Very um, true. Very yeah, true. I mean, I mean, she's not known for being funny, but that doesn't matter because, you know, I would have the, the joy of having that song and I'd be funny. So, you know, you're getting a lot for your money if you think about it. And yeah, I guess you'll get your thing is you'll 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 be getting that that laugh that laughter reaction at the start as well without having to say a thing. Yeah, the thing is, I think um, people will just think you know, bizarre. if your persona on stage is very much unsexy, which I would say mine is, um, then I think the contrast <laughs> of having quite a sexy song is quite fun. <laughs> so as with most podcasts, um, every podcast seems to kind of need a little niche to go with themselves these days so Uh i'm trying to set every comedian that appears a small challenge if they're up for it oh god okay this small challenge um revolves around this book i'm not sure if you can see it but for the The everybody else it says the little book yes by an author called yep by an author called sid finch Mm -hmm. and what i'm challenging every comedian to do is to pick a joke from this book Oh, and put it into their set and oh. record it, post it, and tag uh, us. Uh, the, the, the thing is, though, um, okay, that sounds interesting. You, you get, you get to pick the joke. Uh, okay, uh, and does every comedian pick the number sixty-nine? Uh, that one has already been picked. Yeah, thought so. Um, so unfortunately, you can't have that one. How many pages you are pick, there? Give me a number between. Uh, you give me a number between five uh-huh. and ninety-five. Oh, okay, seventy-two. <laughs> Seventy. So the joke I want you to tell live on stage and have recorded and tag us in uh-huh. is as follows. Oh no! A man at the bank asked me to help check his balance. It wasn't great when I pushed him over. He went right over. It really is a shit joke, isn't it? Remember the title of the book? Yeah. 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 It yeah is well, a shit you know, joke. You, get, you get what you pay for, I guess. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, remember how I said to you before, you know, I haven't written a, like an actual proper setup payoff joke since uh, my first ever set. So that's going to be very yeah. jarring for anyone who watches me. am i allowed to caveat this joke by saying i'm essentially doing this whilst being held at gunpoint by you you can you can if you want to you can you can you can say it however you want okay okay you can can preface it by saying this is a challenge or if you have something in your set that relates closely to something like that i mean this is about a bank matt bank checking his balance or whatever if there's something else that could be checking with balance that's not balance if you know well, what I mean you've, and what you can work it in go you, for it you, you you've heard me set and I have to say banks and balances do not come anywhere into it so <laughs> I, am, I am gonna have to make some very serious segues to try fit that in all right all right but if I don't get booked again Mark I'm blaming you if they're like, oh God, it's that northern one with the shit joke about a bank balance. Oh God, we'll not book her yeah. again. I'm, I'm holding you personally responsible. That's fine. That's fine. You'll be fine though. You'll be God. fine. That'll be fine. Are you just trying to destroy yeah. every comedian that you have on your podcast? You picked the page. Oh, Remember that. Come on. <laughs> 69 was taken. Oh, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what 69 was. 69. I actually quite like joke 69. Go on. It's the joke on page on 69 is, a man walked into a fishmonger's with a mackerel on his shoulder. Do you make fish cakes, the man asked. We sure do, said the fishmonger. Great, said the man. It's his birthday. Okay, that's, that's definitely better than page 72. <laughs> oh. I quite like that joke. It's, it's, yeah, it's a actually, bit of fun. That's um, actually quite cute. I quite like that joke, yeah. Yeah. So, lucky them, whoever got that one. <laughs> Good for them. But no, um... <laughs> oh, um, dear. Yeah, I think, I think that kind of really wraps up 
um, where we are today. With this. Mm-hmm. So where can people find you? What's your links? And I'll put them in the description of the podcast. Uh, people can find me. I'm, I'm at Emmy Files on all the things. Um, you can... And I always post my gigs on my Instagram as well. So if anyone does want to come mm-hmm. in stalk me after hearing my dulcet tones then they're very welcome to i mean i'm not actually encouraging a stalker Uh, obviously (laughs) no we did actually have a bit of a stalker stay away yeah 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 we um yeah yeah we've had some experience of having stalkers through comedy so yeah no one do that but um yes please follow me um and please come and watch me uh, especially on the nights that i need a bringer <laughs> cool. Um and you can find us at Open Mic Comedy Pod on Instagram and all the W's openmiccomedypod.com. Um if you could give us a nice little five star review on whichever platform you're listening to us on, Spotify, Apple Podcast, whichever one it is. Um share it with some friends if you think they'll be interested, even if they're not actually comedians. I think some people will find this quite interesting um from outside of the box as such um and until next time i guess thank you emmy for your time thank you very much for having me no problem and to everyone else that's um, getting up on stage keep trying to be funny and uh we'll see you in the next one Yay.